Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be here once again. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. And you'll find Romans chapter 6 on page 1199 of the Chapel Bible. As you're turning there, please allow me to set the context to this passage. For the first five chapters of this letter, Paul's been explaining primarily the doctrine of justification. And in the previous couple of chapters, he's developed more fully the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And then he spoke of the righteousness that is imputed to believers, the righteousness of Christ. And this leads us to our passage today, where Paul makes a shift in the doctrine and the focus of this letter, shifting from justification to another important truth, important part of salvation, namely our sanctification. So hear now the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of the Lord from Romans chapter 6, and we'll be reading the first 14 verses. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Do you not know, or I'm sorry, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall surely, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness." For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. 
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father God, we ask that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. What is sanctification? Well, according to Westminster's Shorter Catechism, question and answer 35, sanctification is a work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Now there's a lot that can be unpacked from that simple catechism answer, but we're going to focus specifically today on that final phrase, that we are enabled to more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. So how is it that we are enabled? What is it that motivates our sanctification? What is it that drives our sanctification? Well, the answer comes from Paul's explanation of this doctrine in our text. And the message for the first century Christian in Rome is the same message for you here today. Let your justification, what is true of you, drive your sanctification, what you are to do. Now this is the simple notion of the indicative and the imperative. As B.B. Warfield says, This is all built on the covenant phrase, I will be a God to you and you will be my people. It's how duty stems from what God has done. And we see this here in our text in a series of three calls to the believer. Remember your baptism, verses 1-4. to Recall your liberation, verses 5 to 11. And lastly, realize your sanctification, verses 12 to 14. So the first call is to remember your baptism. And this is found in verses 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is a reminder of who you are in Christ. So what does your baptism signify? Well, it signifies the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. It signifies being united with Christ in His death. It's a real and 
tangible reminder of being justified in Christ. It's a visual representation of what is true of you. And you're to remember it. And not just remember it in an ethereal, cognitive recollection type of way. No, the remembering you're to do is active. It's like remembering the Sabbath. As, as the larger catechism says, you are to improve your baptism. So as you witness the waters of baptism being poured out on covenant members within the congregation, meditate on what is meant by those waters of baptism. Call to mind the washing away of your sins and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Let it be ever present in your mind, influencing how you go about your daily life. Or as Paul says, that you may walk in newness of life. You must see what is true of you. And the first call of Paul in doing this is to remember your baptism. And the call to remember your baptism ought to be accompanied by the second call, which is to recall your liberation. Now Paul gives this call to the people of God to remember your liberation from slavery to sin and death. Look back with me at the text beginning in verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So, now also, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This has been the call to God's people since the very beginning. God is a faithful God who brings His people out of captivity and unto Himself. And this is captured in the covenant ceremony of Exodus 19 where the Lord says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto Myself. This is imagery of the eagle swooping down and and lifting the people 
up and carrying them out. And the same is true of you today if you are in Christ Jesus. The story of the Exodus is your story. You've just experienced it in a far greater way. Your deliverance wasn't simply out of the hands of a wicked oppressor. No, your deliverance was out of the hands of the evil one, the accuser of men, the prince of darkness, Satan, who held you firmly in his grip. Your deliverance wasn't simply out of the house of bondage after living as slaves in captivity. No, your deliverance was one out of the chains of oppression that enslaved you to sin and death. And just as the Lord God swooped in and lifted up His people out of Egypt and carried them on eagles' wings unto Himself, so too did the Lord condescend, taking on human flesh, conquering the enemy by His death on the cross and was raised up purchasing redemption for His people and carrying them out of the house of bondage to sin and death and bringing them unto Himself. This, this is what is true of you. The call of Romans 6 is to recall your liberation from slavery to sin and death. He has brought you out of bondage so that you can now consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And this is the transition from what is true to what to do. Because these things are true of you, because of who you are in Christ Jesus, because you have been set free from the bondage of sin and death, you must live in light of it all. And this is the third call to the believer. Realize your sanctification. Now just to be clear, I'm not... uh, I'm not saying that you are to realize that your sanctification is your justification. That's the error of the papists and the federal visionists. Nor is it that your sanctification is found in your justification, which is the error of the antinomians. The call to realize your sanctification is to make it real in your daily life. It is the progressive living out of the sanctification that you already possess. And we see this in the final verses of our passage, beginning in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments 
for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Yes, it is the Lord who works sanctification in you, but you are also to sanctify yourselves. Leviticus 20 and verses 7 and 8 says, Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. This, this is the call to holy living. Not out of obligation or, or to receive merit, but out of gratitude and thanksgiving for what the Lord has already done in your life. You must get up and do something. You must strive after holiness without which no man will see the Lord. You must put away sinful habits. You must be killing sin whenever it rears its ugly head. You must present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The call on you today is to realize your sanctification. Brothers and sisters, we must never forget this truth. Holy living must flow from our standing in Christ Jesus, your justification must drive your sanctification. The appearance of holy living without having truly been changed by the Spirit is like a wasp nest. It has the appearance of a comb, but inside there's no honey. It's the whitewashed tombs of the Pharisees. But to claim that you've been changed and made new by the Spirit and yet continuing to live as a pagan is vanity that leads to death. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you are a whitewashed tomb. Examine yourselves to see if you are living the vanity of vanities. You must sanctify yourself even as the Lord sanctifies you. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Holy Lord, we come to you. We thank You for the position that You have placed us in Christ Jesus, that You have made us new, that You have truly, definitively sanctified us, setting us apart to holy living. 
Lord, we ask that You would use Your Spirit within us to continue to sanctify us. Give us a desire to pursue holiness without which we will never see You. Let us meditate upon who we are in Christ. Let us improve on our baptism. Let us remember who we are and how we have been set free and that the chains of sin and death have been broken. And let all of this drive us to living holy lives before You as one set apart for Your purpose. We ask all of these things in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.